as you are present with someone else's emotional journey in something, even though you may not be experiencing that same circumstance, whatever history in your life matches the emotions they're processing, you're also processing with them by being present with their journey. So holding space is through the laws of unity consciousness is we are holding space for other people's healings, which always deepens and processes our own healing. And what healing we hold space for in private gives us the ability to be more at peace with other people's feelings. So not to try to change their circumstances out of the fear of what we don't wanna feel, but we're all learning that we heal together. We heal in private to be better space holders in public. And we hold space with people in public as a way of processing our own journey from a different perspective. Welcome seekers of wisdom to another mind and heart opening episode on Just Tap In. I'm your host Emilio, and it is my honor to introduce you today to one of the most highly attuned intuitive healers and spiritual teachers in the world. Matt Kahn has captured the hearts of millions with his transformational teachings around the soul's journey through this human experience. He's written four highly acclaimed books, including Whatever Arises, Love That, Everything is Here to Help You, The Universe Always Has a Plan, and his most recent, which has topped the bestseller list, All for Love, The Transformative Power of Holding Space. Matt is a YouTube sensation with over 21 million channel viewers where his viral lectures provide a transmission of healing, humor, and heart-centered messages for humanity. He's also been named as one of the top 100 spiritually influential living people by Watkins Magazine alongside none other than the Dalai Lama and Eckhart Tolle. This conversation with Matt will hold space for you to love yourself even deeper, and I was filled with goosebumps and laughs throughout this time together. If there's one thing that you can do to support the work that we're doing on this show, it's to share this with your friends that are ready to awaken, and for more wisdom featuring the pioneers in the new consciousness and evolution of humanity, make sure you subscribe to this channel for more episodes every single week. Now, help me in welcoming the man who will reflect the light and divinity within you, Macon. Matt Khan, welcome to the podcast, brother. What are you excited about today? <laughs> well, I am first and foremost excited to be here with you and everyone that's joining us together. I'm excited about the beautiful weather right now on this planet. I'm also excited that in a time on Earth where things seem the most uncertain, this is actually a time when our ability to connect with love and be healed by love becomes an even more abundant opportunity. And so what excites me is how much love we can channel and manifest for everyone's healing. It almost feels like humanity is fulfilling a destiny um, yes. that I've heard you speak about, fulfilling a destiny to ascend. And mm. I wanted to just unpack what that means. Obviously, you're a bridge uh, between the mystical realms. Um, and you're also, you know, you're, you're this like, channel for universal <laughs> wisdom and love um it's an honor to be here with you right now today mm -hmm. and to listen yeah. to you 
um, to listen to you speak the truth in your words. And really, I just wanted to kick off um, talking about this ascension process that humanity is going through right now. Uh, maybe why we are here right now incarnated as, as form to be able to carry out this prophecy, this destiny. It's a great question. And again, I just want to say thank you for the honor of being here with you and connecting with you. You know, throughout history, divinity creates form to incarnate into for the purposes of going through the life journey as a unique individual expression of its totality. And then as long as a certain part of the journey, the divinity within that creation or person wakes up and starts to realize they're not just limited by their minds or their bodies, that they're not a fallible human being. They're actually the nature of divinity expressing itself in physical form. And throughout history, we've had so many beautiful avatars and masters wake up while in the incarnation process. And those individuals that have wakened up have, have quickened the trajectory for other people to continue to wake up and to increase the consciousness on the planet that we are actually here as a species to evolve our consciousness while in physical form. And over history, beings have awakened in such clusters and numbers to where now divinity is not just waking up as individual expressions of liberation, but now it's time for individual awakening to be the awakening of an entire planet, the transformation of an entire civilization. So when we hear the word ascension, it is literally that every person on this planet in their own way is going through an expansion of consciousness that allows us all as human beings to not only know how connected we are, you know, we're different individuals, but we're connected in our essence. And more importantly, to begin waking up in consciousness and living in a way that not only brings harmony to the planet, but returns this planet to its state of sustainability. And so we are literally at this time in history, living out a prophecy that has been sent through time and space for countless generations. And at a time when it looks like the planet is at the brink of despair, we can actually reverse the, effect, the effects of unsustainability reversing what's called the karmic cycle by allowing human beings in larger numbers to wake up to our interconnectedness for the benefit of our society, for the rebirth of our planet. And it's really just divinity realizing itself in the most magnified way it ever has before. And we're participating in that celebration. Yes. And there's a beautiful source of, of wisdom that you downloaded yeah. Um, regarding the the story and the prophecy of the Pleiades, if you would like yes. to briefly mention what that what that's all about. Hilariously enough, I channeled that teaching many years ago. Hmm. Most of the teachings I channel after I'm done channeling, I have no recollection of them. So this hmm. is a video that everyone brings to my attention. One of many and goes, "Math is my favorite video," <laughs> and. It's a video that I know I discussed and talked about the fact that Earth is a school, that Earth is actually a multidimensional school where future angels and spirit guides are being trained. And I remember briefly speaking about the idea that we have a lot of support from our galactic brothers and sisters. A lot of us don't come from this planet originally. And that really what's happening is that the awakening of consciousness, and I hope this is what I said in the video, because again, uh, <laughs> we'll I link remember, that as we'll link that in the show notes. <laughs> you know, so let's test what can Matt Kahn remember. Um, <laughs> but I think what I talked about is that the purpose of Earth is to become an interdimensional portal 
to where the civilization of Earth, the Earthlings, can be such an enlightened civilization that obviously we're at peace with people of different genders, sexual orientations, and races, which then creates the foundation to be able to have harmony with people from other solar systems and universes. Mm. And one of the things that's so compelling about Earth, right, you have all these cosmic civilizations and you think, well, they're so advanced. Why would they why would they be so interested in earth? And it's because earth is the place and where the divinity of each person goes on an individual journey and with a body that has a nervous system and emotions that gives you a chance to individually and emotionally process your experience of expansion. And so the higher dimensional beings have technological advances that can turn our society around in a matter of seconds. And we have an experience that gives them the experience of emotions in a nervous system and what it's like to experience change through a vacuum of time. So Earth is kind of like the art district of the universe. <laughs> and we are giving higher dimensional beings an experience of being mortal, human, and heart-centered. And they are giving us an opportunity to evolve the technological advances of our society. And the more we wake up in consciousness, the wider the portal becomes for this type of conscious communication and file swapping to occur to really balance out the higher wisdom of the cosmic beings becoming more emotionally in tune and experiencing that and we becoming more advanced in our ways of being. And in that, the entire universe expands even more. The divine realizes itself in an either more incredible way. So I think when I did that video, when I was called to channel that video, it was really, you know, the Pleiadian prophecy. It was really the prophecy of we are awakening this planet so that we can become an interdimensional portal so that we as human beings can start connecting with our galactic brothers and sisters mm for everyone's inclusive and mutual benefit. And, and we're living out that prophecy right now, even when it seems like things might be going backwards, which they're not. Yeah, and, and you've actually lived a lot of these experiences very viscerally when yes. your psychic abilities turned on and you, at age six, visited heaven. Um, <laughs> yes. And then you started seeing purple all over your body, in your hand, yeah. energy fields, and yeah. traveling astrally to different realms. Yeah. How, was, how impactful was going through all of that for you? And what can you tell us about that experience? Because um, many people might actually be activating that within themselves now as we're right. moving toward this ascension. And, and that's it's so wonderful when, when you have so many people opening up to, you know, an activated energy field or seeing a glimpse of someone's aura or moving their hands and seeing trails of light, which I experience all the time. And, you know, you know, when I was a kid, I felt so alone. I felt so isolated. I felt like the world was like a joke I wasn't in on. Like, I really didn't understand any of this. Like, my first memory was just feeling like this weird visitor and like, I don't know where I am or what I'm here to do. But none of it felt very familiar to me. And so when I started having these like extrasensory perceptions or I started having these psychic moments or big awakenings, it didn't actually strike me as anything like, I mean, it was extraordinary, but it was the extraordinary remembrance of that feels more like home than this planet. And so for me, these experiences helped comfort me while I was here on the planet. And of course, as I grew as a child into an adolescent to an adult, I realized I'm here on a mission and I'm here to evolve myself and to support a lot of people. 
And that's why I'm here. And so it, it helped me integrate the homesickness. Mm-hmm. Uh, and for so many people, I help them integrate that, that longing to go home and to really learn how to fully be here on this planet. Um, but these big experiences for me, as extraordinary as they've been and, and continue to be, for me in my heart has always been like my family from wherever I come from saying, we're with you. Yeah, wow. We're with you. And, you know, I love my family in this earthly incarnation. But, and I'm sure a lot of us have felt this way when you're in a family and you go, okay, I guess we're connected. But it feels like you're in a movie and you're almost like reading from a script, like hmm. I'm an actor in a play. And so, for me, all of my experiences of working with spirit and my psychic abilities, my empathic abilities, you know, a lot of people want these experiences so deeply. And I love that I have these experiences, but for me, it's not just I'm a person who has a power. It's I'm a person who's being soothed by remembering the family that's always with me. Hmm. A teacher of mine, Dr. Joe Dispenza, he calls it the most familiar, unfamiliar <laughs> feeling in the world. Um, when you connect with the divine and you're, you're in those yeah. experiences. And in a recent video that you made, um, you mentioned you, did, you made a statement that said, Matt Kahn has returned. Yes. You went to this vision quest um, yes. for the last three years. And, and it really brings back the humanity, the relatability. Uh, obviously, you're having these incredible sure. ethereal experiences, <laughs> but we're also in this human body. And I feel like Absolutely. in the last three years, you really um, experienced something very impactful um, that mm-hmm. if you would like to share, uh, we would love to know a little bit more about um, what you mean when, when Matt Con has, has returned. <laughs> yes. Matt Con has returned. Um, <laughs> Matt Con, the sequel. Um, <laughs> Matt Con, yeah. part two. Part two. Uh, you, you know, upgraded. three and a half years upgraded now with 25% more Matt Con. <laughs> but like, so what happened was about five years ago, let's say time is very strange for me, but mm. a few years ago, you know, I was in a, I was in a relationship and, and we both thought it was, you know, we had met each other as the one and we went through an, a great experience and it's, and it's an experience where two people think it's one thing and it turns out to be something else and a relationship where we both showed up and we both were incredible and it just wasn't meant to be what we thought it was. And, and for me as a man, I had been looking for my wife since I was 12 years old. And so for me, this was like the fulfillment of my deepest, longest standing fantasy. And what happened was it was more beneficial at this time in my life for the, for the bubble of the fantasy to burst than it was to be fulfilled on, on, on the way that I, we both thought it was going to be fulfilled. And so I went through a level of heartbreak that for me was actually deeper than my parents dying. And I loved my parents. Um, but I had actually processed my parents' death. I was told they were going to pass about seven years before they did. In and, the and shower, I can imagine. In the that. shower, <laughs> I was told seven years or in five years, your dad will wow. pass, then your mom will. And I, I, I burst into tears and I, and I literally processed my parents' death while they were in the other room because I used to live with my parents when I was younger. And I spent the next seven years of my life uh, celebrating uh, the life of my parents that I'd already processed their death. And so I got a chance to really be with my parents in the way that we always wanted to be. And that was a beautiful thing. And when, I, when the, the breakup occurred, for some reason, it just struck me on such a chord, and maybe because it was just the perfect manifestation to trigger what needed to be triggered for the healing. I went through a, um, a death 
and I've gone through ego death. I've gone through dark night of the soul. I've gone through experiences where I literally am shaking and feeling like I'm about to fly out of my body. And I've had that happen every day for two years in some of my deepest uh, activations. But this was representative of a journey where my consciousness had awakened and my ego had gone through a state of integration. And the ego is what gets reborn in a moment of realization, and then it gets integrated back into the energy field, the physical body, and the reborn ego is what we refer to as the soul. And so mm-hmm. I went through a process of my, e- my reborn ego integrating fully into the cells of my body. And in order for that return to happen, I had to be apparently put into the most catastrophic level of death and disillusionment. Um, it didn't upset me. I wasn't upset. She and I have always been incredible with each other uh, and what a journey we took together, but it, it devastated me and it devastated me to a level I've never actually experienced. And, and when that triggered it, I went through back and I re-experienced every feeling and age of my life. And it was like I was taken through a life review, like people go through in heaven, but I went through it while I was in the body and it took about three years. I worked the entire time helping people, which actually helped me. And I was in such a state of disillusionment, I wasn't even sure, like, am I meant to continue the work I do spiritually? I mean, I really went so deep. I I literally went deep and beyond any identity I had, even the identity of being a light worker or a healer. And I had to bring myself to a space where there was absolutely nothing to hold on to. And it was just death pulling every aspect of me apart, to be honest. And I held space for myself. Um, I found the most incredible healer that could do for me finally what I've done for so many people. And this healer sat with me, held me, and loved me as every particle of my existence that was scattered across time and space came back together better than ever. And that healer's name is Matt Kahn. And it was a moment where I was there, like I always am there for me, but it was different. And out of this came the intention that I will continue doing my healing work at a higher level than ever before. But I'm going to be a healer that is solely focused on helping to activate the inner healer in other people. So, and so not just to be someone who, who garnishes a large audience, which is wonderful. But if I'm going to attract an audience and if people are going to embrace what I offer, let me use that opportunity to awaken the healing power in every human being and leave this planet with more evolving masters than when I arrived. And so that is now my living intention to bring my work to an even higher level, not just to be a healer who helps people heal, but to help people heal by activating the inner healer within themselves. Hmm. The inner healer within us. I love that. Yes. I want to let that kind of sit in for a second because yeah. you mentioned there was a, a a turning point in your teachings because every every new teaching is to ascend into a higher level of consciousness. So yeah. I think you start where people are at and then you take them on this journey of going higher and higher and higher up the elevator, oh, yeah. which you yes. called it. And there was one um, there was one teaching in particular. Um, I can't remember which book in particular, but it's truly honoring the soul uh, yes. instead of we're always like 
we're always talking about the ego and we're, we're talking about the mind, but right. really the, the next level of that teaching is that we're all just souls That's right. and we're just speaking to each other as souls. And mm -hmm. so what, what is that unraveling that? Because you talk about unraveling the ego to let the light yeah. of your soul uh, come into your body and form. Right. How does that process uh, look like for people? Well, I think the analogy we can give is like, if we remember when we were kids, there are probably times where when you were a kid, you were being treated like a kid by adults and you, th and you maybe had things you wanted to say, but you weren't at an age or a maturity to let what was in come out. So when we're an ego, it's just various forms of emotional and spiritual infancy or adolescence. You know, there's no judgment to being a child because you have to be a child before you can be an, an adolescent and an adult. So it's just stages of growth. And the more we evolve in consciousness, the less density we need to protect ourselves from other people because we need the density of ego to protect ourselves from those we feel separate from. Like a shell, and kind of. Like a shell, exactly, of protection. And some people just have a little bit of protection. Some people don't actually have enough protection, and so they're indecisive and they're doubtful. And some people have too much protection and their ego is embellished and they're this, you know, the larger-than-life character while inside, you know, hiding from the insecurities and uncertainties of life. So ego is never a bad thing, of course, but what happens is the more we wake up to the truth of our nature, the more we awaken and heal through the power of love, the less density we require to separate ourselves from other human beings, we can use the ego for the purpose to navigate our human journey. You know, the ego reminds us to put a jacket on when it's cold and to never, never leave the house without wearing pants. Because hmm. <laughs> you got to have pants. We all need pants. I mean, I know it's been pandemic times and a lot of us haven't been wearing pants, but seriously. <laughs> we need pants. Wait, don't. The <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> Sir, <laughs> gonna have to pump up some more ego, sir. You failed the pants test. God, you failed the pants test. <laughs> for God. I know. I, honestly, you know the ego is very helpful, but mm. I think it's really about honestly. It's about balance. We need our souls. We need our egos. We need our minds. We need our hearts. I think what the most compelling perspective to say is that we are now living in a new spiritual paradigm. In the old spiritual paradigm, it was mind is the problem, heart is the solution. So this was the journey. Or get out of your ego, get into your soul, starve the ego, feed the soul, whatever the phrase is. Choose love over fear. The old paradigm is always about moving from one side to an opposite. Devices. Nothing. Well, it just can be very dualistic. And, and, what we don't, and I think what's intriguing about the new paradigm is instead of choosing fear over love, we're actually choosing the one inside of us who's to love the one inside of us who's afraid. And so in the old paradigm, there are opposites, sadness and uh, happiness, opposites. In the new paradigm, there's actually a connection. The more we face our sadness and heal it, the more room for happiness arises. And so I think in the new paradigm, what we're looking at is we don't need to defeat one thing in order to have another. We don't have to destroy darkness in order for light to dawn, when really light is actually rescuing darkness from its own self-imposed nightmare. And so as we evolve as souls, we're getting to know the universe 
from a state of unity consciousness. We're starting to understand uh, from a space of compassion. We're starting to think and breathe and speak and respond from love, not because it's a reward or punishment based on other people's behavior, but it's a way in which we help ourselves and other people heal. Hmm. Because in awakened consciousness, like a team sport, we're all as team members helping everyone to do their job and to succeed. So like a team, we're all helping everyone to heal because for one person to heal is not enough on the planet. We all need to heal as one. And so when we explore new teachings, like what I'm suggesting with you, it is to really get out of the fear-based, superstitious, dualistic mindset of this is the problem, this is the solution. Ditch this, trade up for that. And instead, we're learning to welcome everything with love even when it doesn't feel like something we like or prefer because love is the power that helps transform and heal what is only coming up begging for our attention and begging for the love that will liberate it and so we're on a planet where a lot of people are starting to wake up to a bigger reality of unity but we as spiritual people are being challenged to raise the bar to an even higher level of understanding to make sure that we are free from hiding from fear so that we can hold space for the world to come out of hiding. So it's a really beautiful time right now. Hmm. And also I feel like there's like a massive shift right now from ego to this unity consciousness. But in between that is the spiritual yes. ego that That's I wanted right. to talk about because oh, you mentioned, boy, about that. you mentioned the word <laughs> superstition. Um, and yeah. you said uh, in one of your books, the sign of spiritual ego is, being superstitious about everything. Oh, yeah. my moon is in Taurus, so you know that's why I like uh, tequila, right? So <laughs> things like that's that. That's funny. <laughs> um, that's funny. Uh, uh -huh. I remember when, that when the server goes mad. Do you want to put add tequila to your? Uh, I'm so sorry, my moon's not in Taurus. <laughs> I remember that one. Next time, I'm at the. It's funny. And and I I sometimes get caught up in that spiritual ego because as as a host of this show i i mm -hmm. have the blessed opportunity to learn from many different spiritual teachers and yeah. you know i i read the words and sometimes i have like back to back to back interviews and i don't sometimes give myself that integration yeah. um so so the spiritual ego is the one that knows the information and tries to use that information through the words that are coming out of my mouth yeah. to feel spiritual but it's still based and rooted in ego how can That's we right. start unraveling uh, a little bit of that that process? I love the way you just put that. I said I love this question. So I, I really appreciate the way you just put that. That was really mm -hmm. um, a wonderful reflection about spiritual mm -hmm. ego. But yeah, spiritual ego is the part of us that is rooted in superstition. The part of us that projects onto the universe superstitious ideologies. Maybe we're projecting our unresolved wounds with parents or authority figures onto the universe whether we're afraid to do the wrong thing because we think it's gonna either not manifest our desires or we're gonna be punished as a result, which is not how things happen. Or we're afraid to feel our feelings because it might lower our vibration. If it lowers our vibration for two seconds, then God's gonna be disappointed and send your soulmate to your next door neighbor or something. <laughs> you didn't hold that high vibration long enough. Your soulmate was sent to your next door neighbor. <laughs> they got him. God has spoken. Got away. Right? And so really what it is, is the spiritual ego projects its unresolved emotional wounds 
onto spiritual ideologies, onto the universe. And it could be obviously very perpetuated for anyone that has spent any time in a cult where the idea is, again, there is a way to be aligned and there are moments to not be aligned, meaning there is integrity to act from and there are opportunities where we can say it's clear people are not acting from integrity. When we make choices that hurt people, that's not our highest integrity. When we're making choices that help people, we are coming from our higher integrity. But primarily the, the punishment that we endure by not acting from our highest integrity is to not know how much we are harming ourselves whenever we are hurting or rejecting or denying other people because we're interconnected. And so I think that as we wake up out of superstition, it's not, I'm, a, I'm not going to do this because I'm afraid I'm going to have my, you know, have the universe take away my toys or um, it's going to take longer to manifest my desires. We're, we're, we're really as a spiritual community, just on the cusp of waking up out of what I'll call object consciousness, which is treating ourselves like an object. Like, you know, you see in movies, the, you know, stereotypical, a man walks up to a woman in a bar and is just treating her as an object based on his attraction to her physically. Hmm. We as spiritual beings tend to do that spiritually. Like, oh my God, should I do this? Is it the perfect moment in time or my chakras aligned? And so there is <laughs> and then a when you go up to them, they're like, I think I knew you from a past life or something. <laughs> I think I knew you from a past. In fact, I had that happen once. I had someone come up to me. It was so funny many years ago. And they said, I think I know you from a past life. And I said, you do. <laughs> I said, which one? I said, all of them. Got him. I said, what do you mean? I'm going to stop for a moment. Mm. Right? Because there, there is a beauty to the spiritual path. There is so much about this path that is so real and so mind-blowingly real. At the same time, the ego is the part of us that takes the beauty and the subtlety of truth and turns it into something where the ego says, how can I use my spiritual beliefs, ideologies, as a way of trying to feel more in control than I need to be or more in control than I can ever be. And so it becomes this controlling mechanism of, um, you know, like boundaries are a wonderful thing. Like if I don't have the energy to share with someone, I need to withdraw and recharge my energy. That's for me and my benefit. But people kind of use it like this karate, like, you know, I'm going to push people away. And, and um, I, I just think that the, the spiritual ego is a space for superstition and it's a place of uh, incredible embellishment and exaggeration. And we exaggerate and we embellish and we hide behind superstitions because they're trauma responses, mm. because we're in pain. And instead of using spirituality as a place to hide from our wounds, we fulfill the mission of using spirituality as a, ch as a chance to face our wounds and to do so in such a level of connection and compassion and humility that we can actually face the parts that feel alone without needing to feel as isolated as some of our deepest wounds may be. And this is why we hold space. This is why we return to love. And it's an extraordinary way to really wake up out of a minefield of fear because there is something so much deeper in all of us that is here that can be the everything that all of us know ourselves to be 
without requiring us to work so hard or prove anything to ourselves or anyone else. And that's why love is always the answer. Hmm. When I was picking out what to wear, my ego was picking out what to wear for this interview, I was going to grab another shirt and then all of a sudden I, I saw this sweater that, you know, I just got recently from a friend um, mm. and I didn't realize actually what it said on the, I'm covering it right now, but I'll, I'll show you in a second. Mm-hmm. Um, you mentioned that this reality is mind-blowingly real. Yes. Um, but at the same moment, that's like the duality. It's also this video game. Mm. And the name of the video game in one video you said is, how do you respond? So I, right. I looked at the sweater and it said, your response determines who you are. I like that. And I saw that. I was like, Matt Kahn. <laughs> 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 and um, so I wanted to talk a little bit about our choices in, in responding yeah. to all these different things that arise um, in our reality, circumstances with relationships. How do we best respond? Well, I think that we have to first know the difference between are we in a space to respond or do we need to take care of ourselves emotionally, fulfill the needs that we may have as a result of our interactions with others. If you're expecting someone to be a certain way and then they're not that way, that may bring up resentment, disappointment, or exhaustion, even confusion and disillusionment. And maybe you need to kind of be there and support yourself before you'll be in a strong enough place to respond. You know, not every conversation is going to be the most perfectly spiritually aligned response. Sometimes we're going to react and it's going to be emotionally fueled. And the moment is really going to be what it's going to be. But I think, again, when we think about the extremes of the spiritual ego, the ego thinks in extremes. So it thinks, if everything's going to be the way it's going to be, I don't have to do anything. That's not true. If it's all up to me and there's free will, then I have to micromanage everything. Not true. The middle path is everything will be the way it's going to be. The difference in my experience is how I choose to respond to what Mm -hmm. is happening. So I think the first thing to consider is, am I in a place to respond from the part of myself I'm proud to share with others? Mm -hmm. Am I in that place? And if not, let's take a moment and let's focus on our healing and connection because the question we have to ask ourselves again everything can be said in time there is nothing the universe will ever ask anyone to do that has to be a rush race against time do this or else that doesn't exist we have all the time life provides us all the time we need to respond accordingly but the question i think that's important am i in a space to respond from the part of me I'm proud to share with someone else. And then we think of the next question, is the part of me that will respond right now the part that I want to spend more time becoming, right? Because it's we love all parts of us unconditionally, but there's a very big difference between spending more time on this earth plane as a reactive unconscious person versus a conscious, heart-centered, compassionate being. And so in the name of discernment, am I going to respond right now from the version of myself I'm proud to share with someone else? Is this the version I want to spend more time in my life becoming? Mm -hmm. And those kinds of questions help us to really understand there are many things that need to be said, but how we say them and from the place in which we say them not only 
helps to increase the likelihood of how other people receive it, but it actually determines the difference whether this moment becomes another step forward in healing or just a paused moment where we are going to react from our conditioning instead of use this moment as a chance to face and integrate it. And so it's very easy for people on this planet who are very spiritually excited, but then very emotionally repressed or underdeveloped to, to hear this and to think, I'm just afraid to do the wrong thing. And so what we do is we love ourselves and we learn to love ourselves. So not to be afraid of what will be in response to life, to do our best to choose to have the most important conversations and to allow the, the highest part of ourselves to navigate that wisdom, mm. to have the discernment to know, I know these words need to be said, but I don't think I'm in the highest place I need to, to convey this with love and honor and integrity. And, and I think what we're learning is, it's not just what we do or what we say, but how are we communicating it? From which place is it coming from? And are, we, and are we as a planet of individuals ready to start being this mindful with our communication? Because our communication and our actions are a demonstration of power. And the more conscious we become, the more we realize our, our decisions and choices contain power. And they either contain the power to disempower others or the power to liberate ourselves and each other. And we're literally learning how to respect the power of our vibration. And we're also learning to respect the power of other people's experiences mm. by how mindfully we respond, no matter how often people tend to react. And in my new book, this is why I'm teaching about the power of holding space, because it's through this process that we develop this level of emotional intelligence and embodied maturity. Hmm. And yeah, the book that you mentioned, All for Love, um, it has 10 attributes of, of holding space for, yes. for other people. And I wanted to open up with an example of, of what that would mean to be an encouragement, which is the first attribute that you mentioned. Yeah. And with everything that you just said um, about responding and making these powerful choices, mm. is there, and I would love to hold space for any event in your life that helped you reach that level of understanding uh, and maybe an event that gave you a big teaching moment in how you could respond in a better way or uh, carried that wisdom now to, to um, what you hold now. Absolutely. Um, you know, I think one of my greatest teachers has been just, you know, time spent with my family. You know, when I started to get really busy as a spiritual teacher, I, I left California and I moved to Seattle and I started jet setting around the world and just teaching and just found, found my purpose and just went for it. You know, yeah, all people in. always say, when I, when I find that up, when I find that thing, I'm just going to go for it. I did. I, I put my entire life into it. And so I wouldn't see my family that often because I was just too busy and I'd visit on holidays sometimes. And I, and I'd always attend these like family functions, these like reunions and like holiday weekend, whatever, you know, like, Hey, let's all get together. And those gatherings <laughs> trigger each other and you know, all the fun stuff. And, you know, every time I'd visit, I would think to myself, oh, I'm going to show these people how evolved I am. And I'd quickly like, and not on the outside, but on the inside, I'd find myself getting really triggered by how I thought I was being treated or overlooked or misunderstood. And 
every time I'd have an interaction with someone, and it was typically with someone who didn't want to talk about the things I wanted to talk about. I was really hot on spirituality when I first came in, and I still am, but I was under a really strange impression, and a lot of people get this way. We think the most meaningful conversation to me is spiritual growth. So if you're not, we're not going to talk about that, you must not be ready for meaningful conversations. And that was actually me many years ago in my own spiritual ego. It wasn't very immense, but it was enough for me to be blinded thinking that, oh, meaningful conversations have to be spiritual. And then when people would not talk about it, it would be this disconnect of, oh, I need to be around people of like mind. And that was where my journey of uh, communication began. And what, what I would do is I would have these interactions and they wouldn't go horribly wrong. It wouldn't turn into like an argument or a fight or anything. I would just walk away and I'd ask myself one funny question. I would say, at what point did that get weird? Uh -huh. And it was always when I was trying to lead the conversation in the direction of where I wanted to go. Hmm. It always needed to be spiritual for me to feel like it was a meaningful conversation. And then I decoded the truth of that. Why, do, why did I feel that having a spiritual conversation was the deepest content? Because it was the area of my life I felt and found the most success in. It was the version of myself I was the most proud to be. And when that person didn't meet me there, I couldn't lead with my highest strengths. So my insecurity caused me to judge them as being less than, and that was my bullshit to see through. Shit. Uh -huh. And I saw through it over a period of time. And every time I'd have a weird interaction, and I would watch how my spiritual wisdom, and this is many years ago, would try to kind of seep in and create separation between me and someone else. Some lovely woman came to my house one day at seven in the morning. <laughs> this lovely lady. She goes, am I bothering you? And I'm thinking, hi, huh? it's 7 a.m. <laughs> like, funny question, you know? And, and it was a question about her trying to pitch Christianity to me and give me a Bible. And I started, oh, started talking spiritual stuff. And then at the end of that conversation, I asked myself, okay, Macon, at what point did that get weird? And I started to see that every conversation with me in my life got weird when I was trying to steer it into a spiritual discussion. And what I learned was my spirit, and this is again, going back like 15 years, my spiritual journey is to educate me. It's to help me connect to reality and what is true for me. Everyone has their own truth in that way. But the language spirit talks that is universal is the language of emotions. So for example, and this happened to me, I was talking to a friend and they said, oh, what's going on? I said, oh, I'm just going through like this energetic upgrade. I'm just, you know, and they said, um, what the hell does that mean? And I said, have you ever <laughs> felt tired? Have you ever felt tired? Like you just don't have enough energy for the day? And they said, yeah. I said, I'm feeling tired. They go, I get that. So all these experiences in my life showed me that like my spiritual journey was for the inside of my orientation. But when it was time to translate to the outside world, I had to surrender to the humility of an emotional language, an emotional language where we are all having unique experiences of the same themes in, in many ways. Some of us having more extraordinary experiences of certain themes, right? Some of us, we've all suffered, but some of us go through journeys and the suffering is on way different levels. And I say that with profound respect for the people mm -hmm. that I serve. Um, because you have to find people that suffer worse than you to be able to find the strength to help those people and, and to 
see something deeper in yourself than the wounds that you carry. But, but I just, re- I started to really see like, not only in my life, but in the world of many spiritual communities, that the spiritual concepts are what actually separate people from a chance to connect on a level of intimacy. And we learn to speak the language of emotions. That's when we start to enter the master's program of awakened consciousness. That it's wonderful to talk about spiritual stuff when you're with your friends. But what we're meant to do is actually utilize this awakened consciousness to speak the language of emotions. So the people in your family who don't give a you-know-what about consciousness or ascension, we can meet them. And even if they're reacting from anger and we say to them, I acknowledge you. Hmm. I see that what you're sharing with me is sharing the pain you've gone through. Thank you for surviving that. And you literally can connect with any single person on the deepest level without needing to agree or disagree because you're just connecting to what's meaningful about the connection without being mesmerized by whatever belief political affiliation they have or they believe this you believe that we don't have to get into that we just have to learn how to connect so meaningfully to our own emotional selves that we learn to connect emotionally and not hide behind the spirituality that is here to set us free and not give us another hiding spot to be separate from one another That's so important that being able to relate to everyone that's on different yeah. levels of consciousness and and that's like really what we're here to do is to be able to relate, you know, to, right. to these human emotions and feel them fully. I wanted to share because you mentioned the heartbreak that you went through that truly yeah. began this unraveling for you. And in my journey personally, also a heartbreak was mm. um, one of the moments that kind of shifted me completely and this moment um it was a person that i had spent almost all of COVID with living uh Mm -hmm. in spain i told you and um you know we 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 developed a very close relationship very soul-to-soul connection and at one moment a family member of hers developed cancer and my first reaction instead of holding space Mm -hmm. was oh I'm going to fix this, you know, I'm going <laughs> to uh, help. I like, you need to watch this documentary. She needs to read this book, that book, that book, you know, <laughs> the power of the mind to heal the body, blah, 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 blah. Cause I knew all this information and I was just like pushing it onto her. And that was yeah. not what she needed at all. Right. Uh, not what she needed. And that brings me to the second uh, attribute, which is validation. Yes. Uh, I, and, and reading your book now, I wish I would have had this book uh, a couple <laughs> a couple of years ago, right? Because um, I was not able to hold space for this person that I loved so much, right? Was was not equipped to be able to hold space for mm-hmm. an event that's so big in someone's life. You know, someone in your life develops this. You know, we've been told uncurable illness, right? Um, and my reaction was like to put on the Bob the Builder hat to like try to fix <laughs> the situation, which was out of my control completely. Mm-hmm. Um, where does validation come in uh, in this whole holding space uh, process? Well, I love what you just shared. And I think it's so common. Sometimes, you know, the masculine ego wants to be the rescuer and it, it, it perceives someone's circumstances like an enemy to defeat more than an experience for us to move through together. And it's something I think is interesting. And I I love what you're sharing. Mm -hmm. So, okay, all of us come from different backgrounds, right? We all have experienced 
similar emotions, some more intense than others, and the details and circumstances can be similar, they can be different. But let's say you're holding space for someone that has a diagnosis of cancer, and they are facing an aspect or a threshold of life where there's really, there may not be negotiation, there may be uncertainty, and it may be a chance to be in a mystery where we can confront whether how excited I don't know is with infinite possibility or how terrified we are to not know and to assume the worst. And when you're spending time getting to know someone's emotional journey, like, hey, so as we're here and you're having this experience, what are you feeling? What are you going through? As you are present with someone else's emotional journey in something, even though you may not be experiencing that same circumstance, whatever history in your life matches the emotions they're processing, you're also processing with them by being present with their journey. So mm. holding space is through the laws of unity consciousness is we are holding space for other people's healings, which always deepens and processes our own healing. And what healing we hold space for in private gives us the ability to be more at peace with other people's feelings. So not to try to change their circumstances out of the fear of what we don't want to feel, but we're all learning that we heal together. We heal in private to be better space holders in public. And we hold space with people in public as a way of processing our own journey from a different perspective. So I think really when we talk about validation, mm. if we think about validation, it's almost like the first part of the word is valid, which is an extension of value. So validation is the ability to acknowledge that although things are happening in ways we don't prefer, didn't plan for, and don't like, it doesn't take away from the fact that there is a value in this experience, even if it seems as if what's happening is taking away everything you know and love and what gift it will give you hasn't been seen yet. We learn to trust in the universe in such a deep way where everything is always a moment of value, even if we have to face the loss of the things we cling to and would never let go of. And so validation is a way to say to people, your feelings are valid. I'm not going to spiritually correct them. I'm not going to be a member of the ego police. I'm not going to be like, well, you're in resistance. You should accept what is. You should do all this stuff. Because when we do that, the people in pain now have to deal with being wrong, <laughs> not just in pain. And instead, we take the time to honor their validity and the value of what is the meaning going through this journey with them. And even if they don't see the value, we don't need anyone else to see anything differently. Because even when someone says, I don't see the value in this, that's okay. I'm just so grateful I get to be with you and experience this with you. No one can refute that. No one can refute your ability to enjoy being there with someone. And if you say to someone, I'm so proud of you for having the strength to move through this. And they say, well, I really don't care. Well, I appreciate your sharing. Well, I really don't care what you say. Thank you for letting me know. And there's always a way where space holding just slowly starts to melt walls without needing people to be different. And what we are doing is we are stepping into a level of clarity and communication where we say, 
the way in which you may judge your experiences does not prevent me from honoring the value of your life, how valid you are to feel this way, and it's not going to stop me from letting you know how much I care for you. Hmm. And that's actually what heals people. Yeah. Like when I walked in, when I connected with someone that I knew very well who had a diagnosis of cancer. And I walked into a room with them once many years ago. And I sat down with them. And, and they had told me their diagnosis. And they had shared more of their diagnosis. And again, you, you know how sometimes words just jump out of your mouth? Like, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it doesn't happen to me that often, but just, just, just jumped out of my mouth. And I said, oh, God, you're so lucky. And they said, what? <laughs> I said, so you know how blessed I would be to have cancer if I were you? I said, you're so lucky. I said, I just want to be here with you during this. And they just stopped. They had no idea what I was talking about. And they go, what, why is this luck? I said, I don't know. Think about it. Think about what extraordinary gifts this could provide us. All I can do is share with you the extraordinary gift it provides me to be here with you. So I imagine if I'm, me, if I'm so blessed to be here with you, it must be equally a blessing for you. I said, I'm here with you. I know this can be scary, but I value your courage to move through this. I said, I value even the fearful thoughts that think, what did I overlook in my healing journey to manifest this punishment? I said, even if that's how you interpret it, I value that. I said, you are valid in any which way you feel. And I want to thank you for welcoming me into the sacred journey that I get to be here with you. Hmm. Even under these conditions, even if we're in a hospital room, even if I'm sitting with you during chemotherapy, even under the most uncertain conditions, I have the honor of spending time with you. And I just want to say thank you. That is how we transmit healing energy. That's how we meet each other in unity consciousness, where we are just representing how much people mean to us, which doesn't necessarily have to be discolored by how often people act out of trauma or pain. And I think this is a revolutionary approach for a lot of people because we tend to meet people through this lens of fairness, right? I give you rewards of love when you're acting good behavior and when not, I withdraw as a punishment, like, like parents teach mm -hmm. children. But we have to learn that love is not about reward and punishment. Love is what we offer to people to help them heal so that they can suffer less and other people don't have to be hurt as a result of their pain. And so mm. it's really just a beautiful time in this planet to lead with things like validation and yeah. Um, you know, I, I just really appreciate you, you inviting me to share because I'm so passionate about helping people to break out of their most fear-based prisons of isolation and learn how to really connect with themselves yeah. and each other. Yeah. And thank you, Matt, for being a pioneer in the heart-centered path. <laughs> um, just to start wrapping up, I wanted to ask yeah. you right now, as you are as a teacher and a healer going yeah of the elevator, what, what new teachings or what new insights um, have been coming through for mm. this time in, in humanity? Because you I know, know you I, wrote yeah. the book uh, during the whole George Floyd and it was, it was yeah. a while ago, around 2020. Yeah. So yeah. some time has passed, um, maybe new, new downloads are coming in for humanity right now. 
oh my goodness, I download five, at least five new teachings a day. And I'm just right now deciding what my next book will be. Hmm. Um, but the teachings that I'm continually downloading on a daily basis are really just these, you know, very incredible nuanced teachings where it's helping us to really, like it's, it's really all about a balance, right? There is a love and a consciousness always present within us, but it's not to the degree where we do nothing. And it's not that we do so much of something that we live a lives of control, superstition, and micromanagement. So I think if we look at the teachings that humanity will need from now through the next, I don't know, 50,000 lifetimes, <laughs> Mm-hmm. It's really about returning to balance because I think if we want to look at what the new teachings will be, we have to look at the state of the world and not just people, but look at nature. Nature is depleted. Resources have been overly exhausted. The planet is having an issue replenishing itself based on how much we take versus reinvest. The There are imbalances in the weather systems. You know, there are droughts, there are rivers drying up, there are ice caps melting. And and really what this is showing us is that the mentality that drives most of human behavior is becoming extinct. The old way of operating in separation consciousness and living from competition and separation is like a dinosaur. And the ascension is the ice age. And really what we're seeing is that really the highest teachings are always one that help us to stay balanced, aligned, and connected because a more balanced person becomes a person who utilizes the resources of life more sustainably and a more sustainable individual is the best contributor for a sustainable community and a, and a sustainable city and a country and a continent. And we're literally raising the consciousness so that we realize our choices do matter. And when we become more mindful in our actions versus hurtful in our reactions, We start to make decisions for the whole. And what's amazing is when we start acting and making decisions for the whole, that's one of the ways in which we come back to the wholeness within ourselves. So what will be the focus of spirituality from now into the foreseeable future is not this extreme from human ego to spiritual expansion, but about how do we actually erase the line between divinity and human and how does human beingness become the most incredible opportunity for divinity to wake up to turn unsustainability around and for earth to live out its highest destiny as heaven manifesting itself into full physical form and that's Mm -hmm. what we're all a part of right now and love is what helps us get there yes matt Thank you so much. We end every single podcast with a final trio. It's rapid Ooh. fire questions. Do it. Um, you can answer it really however long as you want. Um, I'm gonna be quick. But before before we do that, where can people find you? I know your events are back online. I am coming to London to see you. Uh, I'll see you there. Um, what? Where would you send people to learn more about you? To learn more about my events, my books please visit mattcon.org. That's M-A-T-T-K-A-H-N.org. And you, on the front page, you can sign up for our free weekly newsletter and you get this incredible download. This audio, take it from one of our events, that has been one of uh, a teaching that people treasure. And so to receive the, I think the MP3 of this 
download, just go to matcon.org and sign up for our free newsletter. Um, and it's, you know, it's just an honor to connect with you and to connect with everyone. And I will say to you, bring on the lightning round. Hmm. Yes, let's do <laughs> what's, what's, let's do the lightning let's round. Let's do it. Sir. Let's do it. All I, right. Final trio. The first one, yeah. I know you found a passion for cooking. So yes, this is going to be a recipe. What recipe? So what recipe would you leave people for activating their codes of aliveness? Ooh, what a great question. Sheesh. Came to me. Didn't come, didn't come from me. Came through me. <laughs> yeah, I came from that sweater that you're wearing. <laughs> so activating the codes of aliveness. Okay. Codes of aliveness would be one part humility, one part authenticity. And three tablespoons of discomfort mm. where sometimes we realize that being uncomfortable is not moving in the wrong direction. It's giving us an opportunity to face what we haven't felt before. And that what makes discomfort actually an opportunity to expand into our aliveness versus contract is how authentic we tend to be. So I think authenticity is what helps us through these activations of aliveness where authenticity is where we say, not everything is going to be the way I want it to be, but as long as I am open, authentic, and real, it's going to actually be the most meaningful experience I can, I can move through to activate the codes of aliveness. Yes. I love that. Final trio. Number two, if there was, if you had a magic wand and you could oh. eradicate one fear-based spiritual myth, Ooh, what would it be? Jeez, this is good. <laughs> one base, one spiritual. Oh, okay, if I had a magic wand, the spiritual base myth I would eradicate is that the belief that something is happening because of something I did wrong. Mm. So when people interpret surprising news and they often go through in the grief cycle right because when you get diagnosed with an illness you're literally grieving the future you thought that was there for example and one of the stages of grief is called bartering bartering is a form of negotiation like if i was nicer to my sister would i have been spared of cancer or i knew i should have stayed at that corporate job 10 minutes longer or whatever it is i think what i'd like to eradicate is a belief that no matter what happens, it's never because of something you did wrong and that we are participating and there's ways to get things right, but you have to act out from what is possible in you in order to access something even more possible. So if people could learn that there's always more incredible ways to, you know, master the journey, but it's never because of anything you've done wrong. That's just as human beings, how we try to organize and control what we didn't expect. So I would like to eradicate off this planet with my magic wand, the sense that anything is happening to us because of any mistake we've made, where because we don't like what's happening, it doesn't make it a punishment to endure, but a process to welcome as another stage of our expansion. I love that so much. The last one, the final one, um, yes. this podcast is a space 
truly I see myself as a bridge for the next generation of leaders. And yeah. I love introducing them to great spiritual teachers like you, people that are going to help you. them and activate codes within them. I feel like we activated so much in this conversation. Wow, right? Um, <laughs> <laughs> and that's why the final question that I have for you, Matt, uh, hopefully not the final one because I would love to do this again. I would love uh, to. And the final one is if if you could tune in to the collective consciousness of the youth yes. on the planet right now, yes, what is one attunement that you would like to leave us with uh, to help activate us to become more of that authentic self, to bring our soul into our body and to unravel mm. our egos? A couple things. I love this question. It's so easy to look at the world and feel stuck like we don't know what to do. There's too much to do. And if we can't do it in one fail swoop, if we can't make one decision and change it across the board, many people, doesn't have to be young, young of age, young of heart, get overwhelmed, right? When the problem seems bigger than the solution in sight, we get overwhelmed. The question mm -hmm. we have to ask ourselves, because how we evolve spiritually is helping to cultivate a higher version of ourselves to take action in the world. So the question is, which version of me is most capable of serving the world? And even if we haven't met that us, we can make a list of three to four of the highest attributes that each of us would need to master or have more access to, to be more of a, of a benefit to the world versus someone stifled by the problems of the world. So let's say you made a list of, I need to be courageous. I, need I was thinking to be, that, I was thinking right? about that one. Yeah, Courageous, yeah. Wow. I need to be humble, I need to be grounded and I need to be focused. So then if those are our four things, we wake up each day and we say, may I recognize that anything in my life that disturbs me is helping to make me more courageous, authentic, noble and grounded and focused as I become more of myself that can serve the world that I wanna help. And so I think we have to think about what are the qualities that we need to be more impactful? And can we start to see that the things we bump up against are helping to cultivate those qualities? And it's not about facing each moment and doing something a certain way. Life is just buffing this out of us. Life is helping to grow this within us. And we are learning to grow so many more of our highest attributes so then at that point we can then step into action so we grow internally we expand our capacity and while we're doing this we also can look in the world and say what is the smallest step i can take mm. today to bring improvement and positive change to the world and i think what we have to not overlook is the cumulative power of micro contributions tiny contributions become bigger steps become bigger contributions and make a bigger impact and instead yes. of saving our money for bigger donations we make small choices and donations whether with our time or resources that every day i am making it even if it's the tiniest micro contribution i am representing a step forward it doesn't matter how big of a step how small of a step every day I'm taking a step forward externally as an advocate for the planet. And I'm recognizing that what challenges me is helping me to grow more of the attributes that makes for an even more impactful contribution. Hmm. This is what we are all learning and embracing 
as we evolve at this time. Yeah. It's that becoming and embodying yes. and the doing follows the being. That's but, right. Uh, <laughs> I love that so much, Matt. Thank you so much. I honor the healer's journey for you. And thank you for sharing that so openly with us today. Um, we are here with you, this community, the youth that. are here with you, supporting you. I love um, thank you so much, truly from the heart. Uh, I really appreciated this time we had together. Likewise, I'd love to do it again. And I want to thank everyone that's listening and, and knowing that all of us, even if all of us haven't stepped into any action, always know each and every one of us embody a specific vibration that only our soul can radiate. It's an energy that has never been here before and will never be here again. And just by walking through this planet, no matter what state your mind and body is in, you're always radiating a frequency of healing that benefits all. And we all will go to heaven and watch this back and see the contribution of our energy. But why wait till the end to realize the contributions we're making, even when we're just being with ourselves it's wonderful to make contributions to help the planet, but it's also beneficial to notice that each and every one of us is the vibration of transformation. And it's always helping the planet, no matter who we think we are or what we need to do more of. And so I'm just loving you and everyone on this call. And we are one and love always wins. All the love brother. And so it is. Thank you so much. Pleasure. Peace. All for love, MatCon, wow. You know, the visual I get when I think of MatCon's teachings is kind of like an iceberg because on the surface, his teachings are so practical uh, with a little spiritual touch. But as you go deeper into his work, there's this like, you know, the other end of the iceberg, which, you know, it'll take you uh, in a journey in and of itself. and. You know, as he was saying in this episode, there is a divine plan for us as a species and as individual consciousness. Uh, and I want you to know that even if you feel stuck, remember that there is a unique capacity. There's a unique vibration and frequency within you that is yet to be radiated out in this world. And when we discover these gifts and we go all in in loving ourselves and in other people uh, life can bring about tremendous change and tremendous uh, evolution so i wanted to acknowledge you the listener uh, for being here today and investing your time in listening and downloading wisdom from the greatest teachers in the world you can have more of that on this podcast. Uh, don't forget to subscribe. We're going to have many more exciting conversations coming soon. I have a big smile on my face. And I'm just so grateful for this community that we're building here. You can connect with me, Emilio, on Instagram, on YouTube. You can watch all the interviews. Uh, I'm sending you much love today and a big hug. And, and may your day be filled with opportunities synchronicities and abundance much love and we'll see you next week peace